I'm Carol Noick with the Noick Hidden Ranch in Giddings, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, BASF held their annual Fall Cotton Field Day in Lubbock last week. I was there, and I'll bring you more details on the event coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. It's that time of year. Get ready for a bunch of AgriLife meetings. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The Heart of Texas Fair and Rodeo is attracting thousands of people to the event, which is showcasing agriculture's importance in our daily lives. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more in my report from Waco on Texas Ag Today. The state of agriculture in the coastal bend proved to be an informative program for agricultural leadership in our area. This is Harvey Buring reporting from Corpus Christi. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Big storms moved through the Texas Southern Plains last week, but the skies cleared off beautifully Thursday for the BASF annual Cotton Field Day in Lubbock making for a great turnout. We did. We had an outstanding turnout. I know last time I checked, uh, we had uh, close to uh, 275. I don't know what it, what the final count was, but uh, it was great turnout. Uh, you know, we had the, we've had, like you said, we've had some, some weather come through and, and we were a little concerned about that, but sun cleared, uh, the clouds cleared off and the, the sun came out and it's been a fantastic day. That's Kenny Melton. He's the Western Agronomic Services Manager for BASF out of Lubbock. He says the company was showing off their new quad-stacked technology called Accent Flex. The cool thing about this uh, technology is that it w- is a four-way herbicide stack, so it, it allows a grower to be able to play to uh, spray glyphosate over the top, and then Liberty herbicide, and then this is the first time that on a FiberMax germplasm that we'll be able to spray dicamba over the top, and then now not in 2024 because the herbicide is not yet labeled. After we do get the herbicide approved, they'll be able to, sp- to spray Elite 27. Melton says the new Elite 27 is a unique class of herbicide, similar to a bleaching herbicide. It's expected to be available for the 2025 crop. Now, we mentioned those storms moving across the Texas Southern Plains last week, but other areas of Texas are getting rains also. 
recent rains are bringing some relief to drought-parched areas of Texas. According to the U.S. Drought Monitor, 79.8 percent of the state is still suffering from moderate or worse drought. That is a slight improvement over last week. The Monitor has not yet taken into consideration rains that may have been received late last week. The very tip of Texas near the Texas-Oklahoma border, a few counties around Lubbock County, and a few counties in the Rio Grande Valley are now listed as drought-free. Exceptional drought remains in the southern part of East Texas and parts of central Texas down to the coastal bend. Nearly 24 million Texans currently live in an area impacted by drought. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. While I was in Lubbock last Thursday for the BASF Field Day, there were also textile manufacturing executives in town representing 15 of the largest cotton-consuming countries in the world. Those companies represented are expected to consume 5 to 7 million bales of cotton this year, which includes 2.9 million bales from the U.S. The group is touring the entire U.S. cotton belt, and Lubbock, Texas was one of the stops on the nationwide tour. We are now moving into meeting season for farmers and ranchers. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. The calendar is quickly filling up with producer education meetings around the Texas High Plains. Danny Nusser is the regional program leader for Texas A&M AgriLife. He says the process of deciding what topics will be covered in these meetings involves a lot of input from a wide range of people. I cover the north region of Texas. That's 42 counties, and in every county we have county committees. And those are made up of producers, businessmen, the gin manager, the elevator manager, FSA, NRCS, whoever those agents feel like are those key people that are going to keep them informed. Those issues that are identified at the county level, we bring to our regional meetings and have conversations about what was discussed, what are the issues you're hearing, have those type of topics and discuss how can we address these things educationally. We include our commodity partners in those conversations because they're hearing from producers. We include our specialists in those conversations because they're interacting with producers during the year. And we try to identify those topics and then we send those back out with agents who work with their committees locally to put on programs. So none of the programs are alike. They're all kind of locally driven, but you'll see a lot of similarities in programs and what issues pop up. Some of the issues Danny Nusser says will be addressed in various meetings over the next few months are dealing with high input cost, the farm bill, wildfire preparation, and a lot of farm and herd management topics. Two events coming up this week are the Hutchinson and Hansford Counties Cotton Plot Tour in Stanett on Wednesday and an online program on Thursday for ranchers on the use of ionophores. Contact AgriLife for more information about those events. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Heart of Texas Fair and Rodeo is underway in Waco. Tom Nicoletti takes a look at the big Central Texas event. My guest today is Dustin Sufall. He is general manager of the Extraco Events Center and the Heart of Texas Fair and Rodeo in Waco. And uh, Dustin, thanks for joining us today. And the 71st annual Heart of Texas Fair and Rodeo is well underway in Waco and for the Central Texas region. And certainly uh, this uh, fair uh, and rodeo is a big economic impact for Waco and the, and the region. Uh, what type of attendance are you uh, expecting this year? And certainly uh, the agricultural impact is huge. 
We're excited to host our annual event. It is the largest event in Central Texas. You're right, it has a great impact both economically, but it also helps us tell our story of agriculture as well. And our annual attendance is over 225,000 people. We expect that same great attendance this year. We're looking at a week full of great weather. The temperatures finally cooled off just a little bit. The Texas Farm Bureau Doorways to Agriculture uh, exhibit, a hands-on exhibit, is on display there for uh, the uh, folks uh, attending the uh, the fair, and certainly that uh, is uh, an important educational tool for youth and adults as well. The Texas Farm Bureau Doorways to Agriculture is located in our base exposition building, and it is a focal point of our hot shops, and that's what we call that area. It's where we have all of our vendors with all their products, where we have some other educational exhibits, and it allows people from across the community and, and, and all of the fairgoers to see a little glimpse into what Texas agriculture is and the importance of agriculture to our daily endeavors. That is Dustin Sufall. He is general manager of the Heart of Texas Fair and Rodeo and the Extraco Event Center. The Heart of Texas Fair and Rodeo began on October 5th and will run through October 15th in Waco. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The State of Agriculture event in the Texas Coastal Bend proved to be an informative program for agricultural leaders in the area. Harvey Buring was there and has an update from Corpus Christi. A first-of-its-kind event for agricultural leaders here in the Coastal Bend was conducted last Saturday evening in Corpus Christi. It was known as the State of Agriculture in the Coastal Bend. It was planned and conducted by the Nueces County AgriLife Extension staff in collaboration with their field crops committee and uh, the support of numerous businesses, and associations involved in agriculture here in the Coastal Bend. Presentations included some timely information for producers and ag leaders on events and activities focused on the many issues that are facing producers in the year that lies ahead. Informative presentations were made by members of the Texas Grain Sorghum Producers Association and the South Texas Cotton and Grain Association related to the challenges that lie ahead in international marketing, as well as the regulatory atmosphere that faces producers across the nation, making it more challenging to be efficient producers of our agricultural products. Keynote address was made by Dr. Joe Outlaw from Texas A&M University on the status of the new farm bill. Dr. Outlaw was giving this information at a time when Congress was deliberating on whether or not to extend funding or shut down the government. But Dr. Outlaw said due to the many high profile issues that lie before Congress, it is highly unlikely that growers here in the Coastal Bend will see a new farm bill take place before they're putting seed in the ground for next year's crop, and that'll be early March of next year. Also providing information that was extremely enlightening on the South Texas cotton crop was Mr. Robert Sweezy, president and CEO of Gulf Compress, who talked about the challenges and logistic problems that face producers in our region, shipping product 
to buyers in the Pacific Rim and Asia for their textile mill operations and all of the amount of handling and work that has to take place at their facility in order to get timely shipment of cotton products across the globe. Reporting for Texas Ag Today from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Buring. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is proposing a statewide deer carcass disposal rule. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And if you think your horse has Cushing's disease, now is a good time to test for it. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the Right to Farm Amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches, so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the Food for Texas Amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Learn more about Proposition 1 at right2farmtexas.com. That's right, the number 2, farmtexas.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you think your horse has Cushing's disease, October is a good time to test for it. Dr. Bob Judd tells why. Equine Cushing's disease, correctly called pituitary pars intermedia dysfunction, has typical symptoms of the inability to shed hair at the appropriate time, increased water consumption, increased or decreased sweating, abnormal fat deposits, and most importantly, laminitis. If you think your horse has any of these symptoms, the fall is a good time to test. And basically, we have the month of October remaining to run this less expensive test. The reason is that horses all have an increase in the hormone ACTH from August to October, preparing their bodies for winter. ACTH is the hormone tested to diagnose Cushing's disease, and the increased levels have been validated, so we know the normal levels this time of year. This time of year, there is a natural stimulation of the hormone, and we can use this to diagnose the disease with generally only one blood cortisol test. We can also test this hormone from December to June, but the levels are lower, and although you can make the diagnosis with one test, many times a stimulation test is required to determine if the horse truly has Cushing's disease. I do not like testing horses in July or November as the horses are in a transition period, and we really do not know the normal values for that period of time. So from December to June, your vet usually has to perform a TRH stimulation test, which requires two blood cortisol levels and an injection of thyroid-releasing hormone, or TRH. 
The issue is that TRH is commercially unavailable and is only available at a few compounding pharmacies. So this makes the test cost much more. So if your veterinarian has mentioned that your horse could have Cushing's disease, the month of October is a good time to test. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is proposing a statewide deer disposal rule. Jessica Nomal has the details in today's wildlife reports. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is now accepting comments on a proposed statewide deer carcass disposal rule. Alan Kane, TPWD's Big Game Program Director, joins us with more. Staff are seeking adoption of a proposal that would impose statewide carcass disposal rules on hunters. And that proposal is meant to help mitigate the possible spread of chronic waste disease through improper disposal or movement of carcass parts. Just to give a little background information, prions, the infectious agent for CWD, is found in the brain and in the spinal column, nervous tissue, things like that. So if we can minimize risk of potentially spreading that disease through carcass parts from places where CBD exists to other places where it's not known to exist, that's the goal here. That's the good thing. And to do that, rather than restrict carcass movements, like say you only have, you have to quarter the deer or something like that, what we were proposing is carcass disposal rules. And so essentially what that would require is if you're a hunter in their state and you take deer off your side of harvest, like if I'm hunting at my ranch or a ranch and then I leave, well, I can take a whole carcass out. I can take that to the processor. I can take that to my house and cut it up myself. It's just those carcass parts that you don't use. So the head, if you're not going to taxidermist or things like that, but the head, the spinal column, bones, the other stuff, it needs to be disposed of. The proposed rule would give hunters three options to dispose of unused deer parts. We will have more on this proposal on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the Right to Farm Amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches, so so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the Food for Texas Amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Learn more about Proposition 1 at right2farmtexas.com. That's right, the number 2, farmtexas.com.
We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded lower on Monday following Hamas attacks in Israel. October live cattle down 70 cents to 182.37. December live cattle down a dollar 32 to 185.35. February live cattle down a dollar 15 to 189.62. And despite corn trading lower, feeder cattle also traded lower on Monday due to that unrest in the Middle East. October feeder cattle down a dollar forty-seven to two forty-six ninety. November feeder cattle down a dollar twenty-two to two forty-nine sixty-five. January feeder cattle down a dollar ninety-two to two fifty-one eighty-five. Box beef was higher. Choice rose a dollar fifty-two Monday to three oh three fifty-three. Select rose a dollar eighteen to two seventy-six. 96. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble and Jody Fry. Producers in Cargyle sold cattle on Thursday. Jody, how'd it go? Pretty good numbers. 910 head was the total this week. Calves and yearlings from those 2 to $4 lower. Slaughter bulls, daddy slaughter cows, 1 to $3 lower. Replacement type cows, daddy. Better quality steers, 4 to 600 pounds from $2 all the way up to a high of 275 mostly 220 to 250 6 to 800 pound steers, 180 to 245 mostly $2 to 220 Heifer calves, better quality heifer calves, 185 to 240 mostly $2 to 220 Slaughter cows, average to high yielding, 73 to 91 Still some of those highest yielding slaughter cows from 93 to a high of 103 Thin or very low yielding cows, that would include some of the longhorn cows from 55 to 70. Slaughter bulls average to high yielding from 90 to 108. A few of those very high yielding slaughter bulls from 110 all the way up to a high of 124. Cow-calf pairs, just a few single pairs, uh, young to middle-aged pairs anywhere from 1,200 to a high of 1,925. What do we know for next week? I guess more of the same. We did not get rain. Uh, it, it pretty well did not come below Interstate 20 is, is what I'm hearing. Uh, some pretty good rains north of there, but that's not really a, a trade area for the sheep and goats uh we've been stuck on somewhere between 5,000 and 5,500 so that could very well continue uh cattle numbers uh i think we'll stay somewhere in this range of eight to nine hundred head for the time being tell everybody how to get a hold of you jody fry you bet any of us at the office 325-653-3371 my mobile phone's 234-7895 neighbor looks to me like that's it for walking the pins on the texas farm bureau radio network my name's larry marble i put it together jody fry helped me to Today, Jody's from Producers in Cargyle, San Angelo, and neighbor, we appreciate you listening on Texas Ag Today. Just as the cattle complex traded lower on Monday, lean hogs also traded lower. October lean hogs fell 35 cents to 81.97. December lean hogs fell $1.10 to 72.47. Block cheese was unchanged Monday at $1.70. Barrel cheese was also unchanged. It was at $1.57. Dry whey rose half a cent to 30.25 cents. October class 3 milk rose 2 cents to 16.88 a hundredweight. November class 3 milk rose 14 cents to 17.50 a hundredweight. December cotton down 18 points to 86.96. March cotton up 41 points to 88.60. May cotton up 55 points to 89.50. The corn market got a slow start to the week due to the federal holiday. That holiday delayed the U.S. Department of Agriculture's release of several reports, including the Crop Progress Report. So we are waiting those reports later in the week. December corn fell three and three quarters Monday to 488 and a quarter. 
March corn down three and a half to 503 and three quarters. May corn down three and a quarter to 512. Port attacks on the Black Sea and unrest in the Middle East affected hard red wheat trade. December hard red wheat up 12 and a quarter to 686. March hard red wheat up 12 to 694 and three quarters. November natural gas rose three cents to 337. December natural gas fell a penny to 362. November crude oil rose $3.66 to 86.45 a barrel. December crude oil up $3.39 to 84.67 a barrel. The Dow rose 215 points Monday to 33,623. The S&P 500 rose 31 points to 4,339. And the Nasdaq rose 70 points to 13,501. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.